It's nine o'clock in the morning. I just dropped my nine-year-old off at school. He had state testing today. So I had to drop him off there. And while I was sitting in the parking lot, I was like, let me get started. Maybe I should record my first episode. But then some people came outside making all this noise. And I said, nah, this isn't a perfect place. So I said, let me get back home into my domain, my office, sit down and just get started. So welcome to episode one of the Chronically Well podcast. This podcast is just about conversations with people who are living with or living through conquering what is chronic illness. Chronic illness is something that we need more attention brought to especially in uh, in communities of people of color because so often there's a hindrance when it comes to chronic illness, whether we're hiding it, we're ashamed of it, or we just don't know. We're not given the pure basics of understanding what is chronic illness. So with this podcast, I'm setting out on a mission. And my mission is just to reach, help grow, develop, educate, shine light on the people in our community just so you can live your ultimate best life. Seriously. I'm trying to give resources, guidance, the things that are needed so that we can fulfill all of our life's paths and journeys because we know within the medical world, within society, those those things are often not given to us. We just got to fight, keep fighting, and don't ever give up on this fight because even if in the end a cure is not here for the chronic illness that you're living with, at least you fought to make sure that the next person can also continue this fight because we know I mean, we really know what's in reach. There's an ultimate goal in life. And that's just to live. And as long as we have each other, have this space, have community, we can and we will continue to live. So with that being said, let's talk. With this podcast... Dating back to 2020, during the heart of the pandemic, I set out on a mission, on a real mission. I just wanted to teach, guide, help, build confidence, and just restore hope in people living with diabetes, specifically type 1, because this is what I've been living with for the last almost 21 years. So at that time, it was 17 years. Yeah, I'm going into my 21st year come March 10th, 2024. My diabetes is getting real grown. So when I started thinking about a podcast or coming together as a group to do all these things and helping others, it was at the heart of the pandemic. Yes, at the heart of the global pandemic. And nearly everyone I knew that was managing diabetes, we were all in the house, whether that was just buckling down, just trying to get our own health in order, learning as much as we could about the coronavirus and living with diabetes. Because in the beginning, there were so many reports coming out about how COVID was affecting people living with diabetes more so than people living without diabetes or without any other chronic health condition. And the rates of people that were dying, that were hospitalized, were alarming, like really alarming. So I said to myself, how could I help myself? That was the first thing. How could, how could I help you? How could you stay protected 
from a virus that I mean we don't even we don't even know much about. I mean, we didn't know anything about it. How could I stay protected? How could I protect my family, my loved ones from this deadly virus because first thought of hearing of this virus and seeing the effects of it in the Pacific in Asia were alarming. All you saw or heard about was people actually dying. Was it in the air? Was it in the water? Was it contracted through insects, through animals, through livestock? We did not know. Even today, we still don't have the answer to a lot of these questions. So once I buckled down and started looking at myself and working on myself, trying to figure out, okay, what foods are best to eat that will help naturally heal my body? What medications or vitamins should I have on deck, have on stock? What exercises, social distancing, things of that nature that matter? Keeping everything sanitized and clear of bacteria and germs. I also thought, while I saw how it was wreaking havoc on our community and my own family, I also thought there's a community that I've joined a year earlier, the diabetic online community that I saw in panic. And I said, how can I teach and reach these individuals? How can I educate them as I'm learning through this virus? It took some time, but after I felt good about what I was doing or how I was going to protect my peace and stay alive for my family, I said, there's millions of people out there in the world that are just like me. How can I best or more specifically or easily reach them without being there physically? Like every day I see hundreds Thousands of people across my feeds on social media that are living with chronic health conditions specifically, like I said, type 1 diabetes or insulin dependent. And I saw them and I saw their eyes. I saw their movements. I saw most of us staying buckled down, staying in the house. And I said, what can I do to help better them mentally? emotionally through this trial and error process that is still the coronavirus. I mean, my background, my education is more specifically in media literacy, art and trauma therapy, public health. See, my background as a media literacy educator over the last near 10 years I've worked in alternative school settings, educating youth who have been basically kicked out of their home school, have been in trouble with the law, incarcerated, and just teaching them how to control the media and not let the media control us. How they can write their own script and become media. So I've taught them how to record music, record music videos, edit them. Um, they're making clothing, creating their own brands. It's a big thing in the process of creating your own media, creating your own brand. So while you create your own brand, you're putting a stamp on who you are, who you want to become. Instead of chasing the bag that's in front of you, you're creating a path on how you can keep that bag, how you can make that bag grow. You're developing yourself. So that's what I've been doing over the last 10 years with my media literacy program. And during the pandemic, I said, I can take what I know, what I'm educated in at best and share my journey. Just give little tidbits, insert my at T1D artist uh, tagline and people from the outside looking in at it can just 
use it as a resource. The guidance, the support that I'm giving, that I'm gifting to you and take it and just consume a little piece of it. And hopefully that little bit that you're consuming will help better you. So that's what I've been doing over the last now four years. And I mean, during the beginning stages of this pandemic, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't keeping in the education from whether it was schooling or my own lived experience that was helping better me. I wanted to be able to share with with others so it can help better them as well. So after probably months of figuring things out on what I was going to do, in the end, I decided that with the platform that is social media and how during this pandemic, everyone was in front of a camera, everyone was in front of a screen, everyone was trying to figure stuff out and try not to be overly bored. I chose to reach out to some people in the diabetic online community. And I closed all of my own personal social media accounts and said, I'm going to stick to this one account and hopefully I can reach everyone that I come across that's living with diabetes. I mean, I had an entire plan, but like most things that occurred during the global pandemic, lives got altered, situations changed, even science changed, statistics changed for Many hope and opportunity changed. It was tough. It was real tough. Whether it was financially, housing, emotionally, there was a big burden placed on everyone. Even for those who denied the pandemic, denied the coronavirus, denial, denying its effects, just to deny and be in denial that shows alone that it was affecting you because you were closing your heart, your eyes, and your mind to something that was blatantly in front of you. When I said, I mean, I knew I couldn't do it alone. I knew I couldn't. I enjoy working in groups and teams. I believe that the more people involved that have the same outlook or outset on similar ideas as you, that you can reach more, that through that experience, you can actually get things done quicker. So I reached out to the only T1D or type 1 diabetic friend that I knew and I shared some of the similar life, that I shared some of the similar life uh, plans, goals, even management techniques and technology that I used at the time. And I shared with them my plan for what was eventually titled the Diacru. So it was like persons living with diabetes creating a crew. You know, like crew love, like a family. Like we come together, we talk, we kick it, we chat it up about real life issues that are affecting us, our day-to-day life process. Uh, and we just include living with diabetes. It was like, let's assemble a team of regular people living with type 1 diabetes all over the U.S. And let's just do everything we can with our shared experience of living with type 1 diabetes and our education to better the diabetic online community. Again, this was fall 2020. And over the next year, we pulled together some real good times. So the diet crew started off, it was initially six of us. In the end, there were five persons living with type one diabetes from, um, it was me from my area. I'm in the Philadelphia region from Delaware. Um, there was another person from the Philadelphia region. We had someone from Austin, Texas, Alabama, and Florida, the Orlando area. We all came together with our lived experience and education about diabetes 
to actually better the community. That was our only intent, to better the community. We wanted no financial gain, no notoriety, no popularity. We just wanted to better the community. I mean, we pulled together every resource that we all knew and had. It was, I mean, it was really good times. The community that we did create. And again, like a lot of things during the pandemic, the diet crew, there was nothing in particular that um, broke us. Well, we didn't break apart, but we all have our own lives, families to manage, businesses to handle, education, different. Um, we have our own lives. So we never even said goodbye to the diet crew. We just, one day it was here and one day it wasn't. Like I said, it was nothing particular. It was just the pandemic. As in the pandemic, lives changed and were altered regularly. I mean, we were all just really fighting to stay alive and well during this time, during those times. Regularly, I go back and I look at our stories. I watch our recordings because we did Zoom calls. We created an Instagram page, The Dyer Crew, where we shared resources and daily stories to normalize living with type 1 diabetes during this time. So I do go back and I look at those recordings and I smile because although it was short-lived, it was good. It was real good. So like, I mean, I'm telling y'all, shout out to Priya, shout out to Stephanie, shout out to Cameron, shout out to Taylor, shout out to y'all, crew love forever, love y'all for real, for real, and after the diet crew, well, as the diet crew was gone, during the fall of 2021, as it was fading out, it was an uptick in podcasts. I mean, I had only ever listened to one podcast before, and that was um, a podcast of one of my favorite hip-hop artists. And I said, let me create one for diabetes. I just knew it wasn't nothing out there like that. I mean, it's diabetes. Do, really, do people really talk about it? So at that time... I created a podcast. I even recorded a few episodes that will never go released. And at that time, I was searching all over for titles. And I just said, I mean, I don't want it to be all about diabetes because we all know we have it. So I was like, how can I make this conversation more than about living with diabetes? Especially during the global pandemic where all you hear about is people with chronic health conditions dying. Having different issues across the board, even like access to medical supplies. So it was titled, Everything Else Plus Diabetes. It was about our real lives beyond our chronic health condition. And after recording those first few episodes, I went on Google to check out um, like my intended, uh, intended audience and how I was going to get it out to them. And as I searched, up popped a podcast that I had that, um, I mean, that just kept popping up. Every time I typed in diabetes podcast, diabetes radio, things of that nature, the same podcast kept popping up. It was called the Juice Box Podcast. I clicked on it and I started listening. Um, on like my late night walks, while because I mean I wasn't going out really during the day. It felt like 
I mean, I was staying as safe and protected as possible for that first year during the pandemic. And uh, eventually, I mean, I stopped listening. No reason. Um, I don't know if it was too much uh, talking about, um, I mean, my, my diabetes, chronic health conditions during the pandemic. Uh, I don't know if that was just too much of a load on me, but um, I just stopped listening. That was until... Um, I remember one night I was having a conversation with my wife and I was like, it was something, it was something going on during the pandemic. And I, I was like, people just don't understand how it is living with type one diabetes. And I was like, there's no way I can truly explain it to you or to anyone, the ins and outs of what it is that we live through. That was until I hopped on Google again and I searched how to explain T1D and up popped the juice box podcast again. And after listening to that episode, um, I think it was titled, uh, explaining type one diabetes. And, uh, it was about how do you explain type one diabetes to family members? to caregivers, to loved ones, to coaches, to teachers, friends, um, to just people you communicate with on a regular. And after listening to that episode, I was like, Shh, I have to continue because I knew that just from that one listen, it would transform a lot of how I spoke about type 1 diabetes and how I shared it. Because before... There was no easy share. And it's not an easy explanation. I mean, how do I, or ask yourself, how do you explain type 1 diabetes to someone who has no clue what type 1 diabetes is? Because for the most part, we're, we're always given a compare contrast of type 1 and type 2 when asked to explain type 1 diabetes and to me I mean that is really like that's really BS because there should be no compare or contrast of living with chronic health conditions one over the other they are both debilitating so I was able to just share with people that episode and I've continued to share that episode with people I mean it was just like an extra voice in my ear and my management that helped me better myself, especially during the heart of a global pandemic. And um, just more recently, uh, six months or so ago, I actually had the chance to record with the Juice Box Podcast. Um, you can find me on episode 1099 of the Juice Box Podcast. And I just want to thank Scott again for doing everything he can do for this community because his baby girl, Arden, was diagnosed at two years old. And she's going into her 18th year living with type 1 diabetes. And over those 18 years, he's continued to give his experience, his education, knowledge to the community. I mean, free of charge. It's like a gift that keeps on coming. Not only has he helped her, he has helped millions of people around the world. And it is by far my number one resource in T1D management, T1D sharing, T1D um, community. And I'm just glad that I was gifted that voice to help me continue to strive, to thrive, to be my best. Because I wasn't always at my best. In 2021, I decided, I mean, I decided after finding that podcast that I wasn't going to continue with mine. Because I'm a big proponent of not recreating the will. Meaning the will, which is 
to some people the greatest invention ever. There's no need to recreate something that's already um, gifting everything that you desire, everything that's wanted. Even though I know that my pod, my podcast wasn't going to be primarily about diabetes, it was about actually speaking to people um, beyond diabetes. So it was everything else plus diabetes. Um, so I, I did put that on a, on a, on a hold, but I always had in the back of my mind that it was going to come back because, um, I've always been told that I have a gift of bringing people in, uh, joining communities and gathering people and sharing in the circle, our own experiences and finding out what best suits people. And I know that me being um, the man that I am, I know that I primarily um, am best suited at having relations or having conversations with people who are similar to me. Whether it's people who come from the same community same upbringing, same education, uh, same lived experience, um, same opportunities. I'm, I'm best in having conversations with people who even, I mean, just like the same types of things that I like. So um, I, I continue with my social media pulls or pushes in reaching people in the community. And that I continue to do that, uh, especially via Instagram at T1D Artists. Um, but it wasn't until I say 2021, I decided in honor of World Diabetes Day that I would create um, short videos with people from the diabetic online community, explaining who they are, what they did, and just talk a little bit about diabetes in general. It was just so that we could put face to the actual disease because we are stigmatized so much as people living with diabetes that when you first hear it, everyone that's not someone living with it or know someone who's living with it or helping someone manage it, they think, okay, did they eat too much sugar or are they unhealthy, meaning like overweight or whatnot? But we have to destigmatize that and break down all those walls and barriers that do exist in the community of chronic health. And by me creating those short videos, it was just um, putting face value to who we are so that if the actual audio is on mute, looking at the video, you can see people that look just like you representation matters a lot but when you turn the sound on all there's added is a chronic health condition such as diabetes it was all about normalizing who we are so i did that in 2021 2022 um so there there were like uh diabetes looks like who campaigns and then in 2023, uh, starting in early October, I looked at my feed across my Instagram and I said, there's a great representation that is being missed. And me being this media literacy professional, I was like, we have to showcase the persons that truly do not see or you do not see, you do not hear about. And that was people that looked just like me. People that looked like you. People that looked like all of us. So I created a template message just asking people of color in the diabetic online community. Um, could you shoot a one minute video explaining who you are? Just send a message to the community. And within a matter of... A few days, I got over 80 responses. 
And out of those 80 responses, I'm going to say some 50 were added to um, the video for World Diabetes Day. It was called Representation Matters. And in this recording, um, you have everyone from newly diagnosed persons, toddlers, youth, people that have been living with diabetes for 40 plus years. All people of color, just explaining who they are, showing hope, giving encouragement, letting you know that I live with diabetes, but diabetes is not all of me. It is not all of it. And just sending that message to the community just meant so much. And it got replayed and replayed for the remainder of the month. And I keep it in, um, I keep it pinned to my feed so that people who look me up, they want to know more about me. The first thing they see is my community. I have zero face value in that film. And, um, but people that look like me that have lived through chronic health conditions, I just want us all to have equal representation. Because when we see somebody who's looks like us, who come from the ways of life that we come from, and they're doing things for the community, they're helping better other people's health, um, stability, things of that nature. It's like that, that visual in the mirror that tells you, yes, you can, yes, you will. Today's going to be my day. And I hope, or I'm trying to give hope to our community and gift you just the reality of me looking at me looking at my feed and it's telling you that you will be able to be your best because chronic diseases such as type 1 diabetes um as me or um there and with that i think uh it opened up even more of a opportunity for me and I went back on something that I had started many years ago, two years prior to that podcast. I kept looking at it because I keep the logo um, that everything or um, uh, that logo for um, the podcast that I've initially formed, everything else plus diabetes. I keep that logo on my laptop and usually when I click start, it pops up and I said, I reached out to someone I know, a loved one that also lives with type one diabetes. And I said, should I do this? And she was like, hell yeah. I know that the community support and I support the community. So I knew that if I've reached or extended my olive branch, people will come. With that being said, Chronically Will Podcast was born. It's more so about having real conversations and community that needs to be heard. Not saying other podcasts aren't having real conversations, but this is me just sitting down, talking to you the way I talk, expressing who I am, how I can help you, how can we help benefit each other, how we can help and benefit our community, things that just overall better us. Yes, better us. So I hope that this podcast gives you everything that you're looking for. I hope that it gives you a voice, a voice that you can resonate with. I hope it gives you, your family, the opportunity to know not only you, but your community. Because knowing and understanding the community helps them better know and understand you as well. Yes, 
we go through our issues, our pains, our fatigue, our burnout, all of those things. But it's not just us. We are not complaining about the things we go through because we're actually living them. If living is a complaint, then everyone is complaining. But we're actually living through these. We're managing them. Every single day, there's a downfall to living with insulin dependence as persons with type 1 diabetes do. Every day, there's a hindrance or dilemma living with a chronic health condition because it captures you fully. And everything else that you do is wrapped around you living with that chronic illness. It's all fed off of it. Like, even today, a part of me is like, even, I mean, like, even today, a part of me, like, do you want to know about, um, that's not only, I mean, I want to know about not only do I have type 1 diabetes, but I have more chronic health conditions. So, in this podcast, I'm opening the floor, handing a mic over to other persons that are living with chronic health conditions because I know type 1 diabetes, but I also know fibromyalgia, which consists of chronic pain, chronic fatigue, brain fog, and it's real. I was diagnosed with it in fall 2022 after possibly years of living with it. And it truly affects everything I do just like type 1 diabetes does. And it doesn't define who I am. I have polyarthralgia, which is um, another form of chronic pain arthritis. Hypothyroidism. Restless leg syndrome. All of these things together added on to who I am as a person does not waver heavy on the things that I do. Like the decisions I make, whether they're with my family, with friends or personal decisions. I must always keep in mind that I must take care of, manage my own health and well-being before I say yes to other things. Um... My loved ones, I hope they, I do hope they understand and that they get it, but I can't force that upon them. As we continue on to this intro, I know that I, uh, that I skipped over while giving a brief of who I am as a person, but let's rewind time and um, let me take you back about 21 years to March 10th, 2003. Um, So the way that I was diagnosed, I was actually diagnosed by my father. No, he's not a doctor. No, he doesn't have any kind of uh, medical background experience at all. But he's the one who told me, Will, you got diabetes. Um, I had no clue. I was young. I was fit, well-conditioned. I didn't think that it could happen to me. I prided myself on doing the things that kept my body strong, both physically and mentally. As far as exercise and routine, fitness, well-being, I prided myself on those things. See, my dad, he was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was young. And I saw the struggles that he went through over the years. I remember when he was hospitalized. I remember him coming home. And I just remember growing up like being young and sometimes my dad being just like, like an angry person at times. And I never understood what it was that was changing or altering who he was at the moment. 
because I mean, I love my dad more than more than this world, more than this earth, more than anything. Like, I love you, Pops. Like, if you get ever hear this dad, like, you know, I love you. But as I've, as I've grown older, as a person living with diabetes, I know that he may have had an altered mind because he wasn't managing or learning and being educated in what was his diabetes management. So even today, my dad, he has stage five chronic kidney disease. He's waiting for a transplant. If I could give my pops a kidney, I would give him a kidney, but I can't. I wish that I had the ability to do that. And that too plays a heavy toll on me. But yeah, I remember going to my dad that morning of March 10th, 2003 and telling him how I couldn't sleep because I couldn't stop using the bathroom and that I was so thirsty. And my pop, he just looked at me and said, you got diabetes. And I didn't question anything he said to me. I never really questioned my dad at all growing up because he was a dad. I mean, my dad was a proud father. He was really a proud father. He loved all his children equally. He did everything he could do for us. He gave us more than life. He gave us the ability to love people beyond family, beyond friends. He gave us the ability to welcome people in his family. And on that day, I remember my dad just telling me, get dressed. We hopped on a public bus, went to the hospital, and uh, just like them saying, well, us going into the ER and them, them actually rushing me in. And I remember the first thing was them uh, asking my dad some questions about me. And he's like, yeah, he's healthy. He's always been healthy. And then I got on a scale. Have have y'all done, do y'all remember this during diagnosis? If you were diagnosed, uh, I mean, if you remember any part of your diagnosis, hopping on a scale. Because when I got on that scale, I had lost one-fourth of my total body weight. And my dad, I'm looking at him, and he's sunken in. He's sitting there in a chair with his hands on his head, cheeks sunken in, head leaned in, chin and chest, and he's just sunken. And I knew at that moment that, that he was feeling like, what can I do? What would I be able to do? And I've never asked him, but I also wonder if um if my pops was feeling like it was because of him knowing that he had diabetes, uh like if he thought that my diabetes was because of him. I've never really um, said that out loud, but I wonder that if my pop really thought that it was because of him, his junior was now going through it. But um, dad, like I said, if you ever get a, if you ever listen to this, or if anybody in the family ever listens to this, if I've never told you, if you ever get a chance to listen to this again. Family members, friends, please let my father know. Dad, I'm letting you know that 
my diabetes has nothing to do with your diabetes. There's no relationship to them. You did not do this to me. You didn't give this to me. It is not because of you that I've had multiple chronic health conditions, hospital stays, issues, concerns. It's not because of you, but it's because of you that today I'm living. Not only did you give me life, but you gave me the opportunity to continue my life by getting me the proper care, explaining to them who I am, what I was going through, the signs and symptoms that I was unable to give. And just, I mean, just being there for me. I mean, I guess I can compare it to my own I guess I can compare it to my own birth because you were there then. You were there during my second chance of life. And you're still there for me equally today. So, I mean, I'm proud of you, Dad. Like, I'm truly proud of who you are as a father, as a man, as a husband to my mother for the last 42 years. And I just thank you for your life. You know, after I was diagnosed that March, I looked at a whole scope of things and realized that I was not the first one in my family that was living with type 1 diabetes. I mean, not the, well, the only one. See, no physical trauma, no illness, no sickness brought upon my diagnosis at all. I did not have signs of the flu other than dehydration, frequent urination, and feeling exhausted. I didn't have any of those things. But a year earlier, the year 2000, to 2002, my grandma, oh, not, it was 2001. My grandma, she was diagnosed with brain cancer, winter 2001. My mom's mom, and she was going through fighting her battle with cancer. She was also diagnosed with diabetes and she was insulin dependent on onset. And I never correlated the two put them together like okay mom roof my grandmother's well that's what we call my grandmother has like she has diabetes i have diabetes like okay it's one and one i never even thought of that but yeah i remember like yesterday when um we went to the hospital where she was when she got her cancer diagnosis and my mom breaking down and crying and me holding her because like I told you about my dad my mom is equally that other half or that other part of me I'm equally half my mother's heart and half my father's heart two parts them I'm your son <laughs> so probably about six months hmm after my grandmother's diagnosis with, uh, you no, know, about a year after my grandma's diagnosis with cancer is when I got diagnosed with type one diabetes. So my grandma, she was diagnosed and um, maybe a month or so after me living with diabetes. So that's, Um, yeah, yeah, so, I, um, I believe she was diagnosed a little bit after me, but I'm not really sure, but, um, that September 2003, some, what, six months after my diagnosis, my grandma passed from cancer, and that weighed heavy on our family. And I didn't realize, I guess, until many, many years later that 
I have a first cousin maternal as well that also has type 1 diabetes. Like, I grew up with her brothers as, like, we were brothers. Like, but she's years younger than them. And she's their youngest sister. And, I mean, we didn't really conversate much because of her age difference until maybe, like, 2017, 2018. And I, I don't know what I thought about it, but I realized she got type 1 diabetes also. But she was diagnosed years after me at age 12. And, I mean, over the last few years, I've spent so much time dedicated to actually help her with her management, helping um, being an advocate for her and speaking to her medical teams so that she can have possibly the best outcomes as well. And then um, I think last, no, fall 2022, I was doing this um, Ancestry.com research, me and my younger brother, and I found my great-grandmother's death certificate. And take it, we were always told that she was an indigenous woman who was um, fostered as an infant. I believe she was like under six months old when she was found in a brush um, in Fulton County, Lancaster. It was like, it's a rural area. If you consider it rural, really was nothing. And... She passed in 1954. Um, my grandma was 19 at the time. And on her death certificate that I found, because I was told that they believed that she had some stomach issues before passing, but they never knew what she really passed from. Just that she was having real bad stomach pains and she was hospitalized. And within a week of her hospitalization, she passed, or no, within two weeks of her hospitalization, she passed. And I was like, I always asked, I said, did she have like some type of IBS? Because I had already connected that, okay, if she has some type of autoimmune irritable bowel syndrome, um, such as Crohn's, colitis, things of that nature. I said, that must be where I get the link to my type 1 diabetes. But after reading her death certificate, it reads that she was tended to from January, I want to say January 19th, 1954, into February 2nd, 1954. Death due to, listen, What do most people on the onset of diabetes have? What do most people who pass from diabetes have? Acidosis. Death due to acidosis. And that just shocked the hell out of me, seeing that. First, she was tended to for only two weeks. She became frail then, over that course of time. Was having stomach issues. She couldn't consume food. And death due to acidosis. So me learning that just, I mean, really a little over a year ago, it changed me forever. I know it has because now not only am I doing this for myself, 
for my community, for my family, for my people. But I'm doing this for people such as my grandma, Mom Ruth, my great-grandma Viola. People that lived with chronic health conditions. People that passed with chronic health conditions not knowing or not being given the resources or education during the time so that they can, can continue to live because insulin was readily available after 1922. But like many things, it wasn't always readily available to people of color. So, yeah, that's that's a little background of, of my history. My family living with type 1 diabetes. So now I can trace back four people, including myself, my cousin, my great-grandma, and my grandma. So, like, everything that I start, that you see me um, post or that I may have posted via socials, it all starts with um, me thinking about my family, thinking about my cousin, how can I reach her? How can I help us first? Because, I mean, I even, this past summer, I took a flight to where she lives just to be able to be there for her. Just to be able to have conversations with her. Just to talk to her brothers and normalize what it is that is chronic health conditions. Because we all need this help. Because, you know, sometimes we want things said without having to mention or say the things. Sometimes they're just right there. Like our people are just right there beside us, ready to help and navigate and walk us through this thing called life. But often we can't voice out what it is that we're going through because we're the ones who are actually living it. We feel it so much, it's hard to explain. And at the same time, we don't always got it. There's so many obstacles placed in our way. So we don't always have just the mental capacity to do the things that we do. Or um, needed to do as persons who don't have these conditions do. For me, family is everything. And after I reach and do the things that I do in my family, I always and will continue to extend that olive branch to the community because I wasn't always or didn't always have the resources that I have today. I didn't even know what an insulin pump was until maybe 2016. And that's 13 years after living with type 1. I didn't know what a continuous glucose monitor was until even a couple years after that. Um, you would say or think that upon diagnosis within my first year or so that someone would have reached out to me or someone would have edu educated me and told me these things, these gifts of technology that can help you better manage. But no, I wasn't given any of these things. And I had to seek this information on my own. And after seeing people with these gadgets and seeing, seeing how they help them better manage diabetes, and I'm like, how? How can these things help you? Because I was doing 10 to 20 finger sticks per day. So I felt like there's no way technology can be better than this. Not knowing that those 10 to 20 finger sticks that I was doing per day weren't always accurate. Or while I slept at night, my blood sugar could be dropping. I didn't know the reason it was rising as I woke up until I was able to Get in, get in touch with technology. So I just always went with what was the cheapest meters, 
the cheapest insulin. And I did that for too many years, not knowing about um, what a pre-bolus was, what even basal insulin was. Just continuously giving the same amount of insulin every day, the same amount for meals. I didn't follow any type of ratios. And that was for the better first half of my diagnosis, the first 10 years plus, 10 to 15 years. But today I know technology. I use technology. Like I use an insulin pump. I use a continuous glucose monitor. And these things have made my life so much easier, so much better. And I don't think back on if, if I would have known about these earlier. I just know that in the present moment, they're doing what they need to do. Because I have lived with an A1C below 5.6 for more than five years now. And to someone that may have not known that or may have not known what a A1C of 5.6 or anything below 5.7, how that's considered non-diabetic ranges. But um, when I go back and I look at my history chart, I had A1Cs in the 10, 11, 8, 9 for many years. And I remember waking up many times to emergency personnel looking at me and my eyes wandering in my head and just thinking like, damn, well, you know, did this again. Yep, did it again. Overtreated or gave too much insulin or not taking in enough carbs to cover my insulin. From having seizures, from hypoglycemic episodes, I remember... um. At the time, I was like, these aren't seizures. That's just low blood sugar talking. That's what I was used to used to saying to people. Like, it wasn't a seizure. It's just the low blood sugar. But it actually is a seizure. And it actually does affect your brain and your abilities. It's depriving your brain of oxygen. I mean, I had too many seizures to even count. I'm going to say 100 plus. I mean, I know there was years, a couple years towards the tail end of like 2016, 17, 18, where I was, I felt like I was getting the shakes every single day. I remember I was having, um, it seemed like every night for years, waking up in cold sweats, going downstairs to the kitchen, just opening it up and eating whatever was in my face, not knowing that I could just take a few sips of a, of a juice box and bring my glucose levels up, not knowing if I had insulin if I had an insulin pump at the time, I could suspend my insulin. I could cancel it. I could do uh, temp basils for any time I want. That was like an hour, one hour, so that I wouldn't have insulin still being delivered while I was fighting a low. That's a great benefit of having an insulin pump. Being able to set a temp basil of zero while while I'm working out, exerting energy, or if my blood sugar is low, so that I won't have to continue to drop. That's a great advance of having a continuous glucose monitor as well, because I can see the trends of my blood sugar, if it's rising, if it's dropping, if it's steady. There's even third-party apps that can show you how much your blood sugar has arisen every single reading. Whether it's going up 5 points, 10 points, drop 20. Like technology and dealing with diabetes is a blessing. I wouldn't go back and change it for anything. Because it has helped my life so much. No longer am I out in the garden, falling over, crawling back to the house on a concrete slab pavement on my knees and 
90 degree weather, sweating bullets due to exerting too much energy because of the insulin I had on board. No longer is that happening. No longer am I being found in a friend's bathroom with my tongue half bitten off, uh, blood all over the place. No longer am I driving into telephone poles and circling around the neighborhood until a neighbor calls the police and tells them that I'm dragging my bumper. Yeah, my bumper fell off in front of my vehicle and not stopping. No longer is my daughter at seven years old telling my wife, I don't know what I would do without him from finding me unconscious in a bathroom with my legs blocking the entry to the door so she can't get in. All she can do is push it a little because it's jammed and see me laying on the bathroom floor season. No longer am I not able to be the best person that I can be and reach and help our community because it's something that I love. I truly love being able to have these conversations with people and helping them better manage. I'm telling you, and I've told many people, if I can't help you get on a track that you deserve or should be on, then I don't know who can. And I have the ability to do it with the least amount of effort. Not changing your diet, not changing your daily routines, the patterns, the things that you love. Just about understanding who you are. And having a simple conversation of what it is that more than likely was missed or not given to you as an education of managing diabetes. So, I thank everyone for tuning into episode one, my intro to Chronically Will podcast, real conversations and community that need to be heard. And if you'd like to join me on this podcast, reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at T1D Artist. You can email me at chronicallywillpodcast at gmail.com. Send me a message, send me an email, and I will not, not deny you because if you have something to say, we all need to hear it. Thank you for tuning in. We out.